I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to The Dinner Party Show's live cast for Sunday, August 11th, 2013. And tonight, we will not be talking about the fact that we mistakenly declared last week's show the live cast for Sunday, August 11th, 2013. We? You wrote the script, darling. Well, it doesn't matter because we're not talking about it. Well played. I see. Well, now, um... So we will also not be speculating about whether or not Paula Dean or anyone else is going to be on Dancing with the Stars next season. Mm-mm. We're still a little amazed that this is a TV show. And honestly, we had never seen Paula before all this, so we wouldn't even know who she was if it hadn't been for her deposition disaster and Kristen Wiig's brilliantly funny and possibly amazing impersonation of her. We say possibly because at the time we had never actually seen Paula, so we had no basis for comparison. Whatever the case, we <laughs> see no reason to start talking about her now or that dancing show. Indeed. We will also not be discussing any hypocritical complaints from multimillionaire right-wing radio shock jocks about Ever. the time or cost of President Obama's <laughs> vacation. <laughs> the temerity. Indeed. Considering the last guy you guys put in the office spent 500 days of his presidency on a ranch he did didn't actually know how to run, (laughs) a ranch he has barely visited since leaving office. Probably can't find it. Indeed. We think you should probably shut up about downtime and leaders of the free world in general as you attempt to divide America from your enormous beachfront mansions. Bon voyage. We also have nothing to say, certainly nothing good, about hate monger, devil worshiper, and closet case Reverend Jerry Provo of the Anchorage Baptist Temple, who evicted the Boy Scout troop that formerly met in his church basement because for a few weeks at least the Boy Scouts of America have relented, at least partially, in their own campaign of hate to, like Jesus, suffer all the little children to come unto them, even the gay ones. Apparently, Reverend Closet Case is more interested in twisting the words of his alleged religion to justify his hatred, intolerance, and sexual self-doubt than he is in Christianity, declaring that no homosexual will ever enter the kingdom of God. Thank God. Well, Reverend, we are not interested in sharing a kingdom Mm -mm. or a closet with you (laughs) or your wicked God of hate or in speaking about you further. Be gone, bitch! (laughs) 
<laughs> we would be open to discussing why the Boy Scouts still won't let gay adults be troop leaders, but that's another story. Also, we are done talking about Sharknado. Oh, so done. It was cute for a week, and now it's over. So over. We don't need to hear another recount of how Ian Ziering, or however the hell you pronounce his last name, his character cuts his way out of a shark with a chainsaw. Seen it. We don't care about the rumor that Tara Reid wasn't cast in Sharknado 2. Or anything else. We don't care that there's going to be a Sharknado 2. Oh, no. We're done. Done. Let's move on to Reese's Monkey Mega Piranha, or whatever's next for those sci-fi channel executives who are still pining for the glory days of the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Hear, hear. Finally, we do not care, nor will we discuss Simon's, Kim's, or Kanye's baby. We don't care if Chris Christie and Rand Paul are fighting or running for president, though we think the comedy value in either case is obvious and worth a small private celebration. We don't know who won The Bachelorette or if you can win The Bachelorette or why that show is still on the air, though we are amused that when they picked the whitest non-white bachelor ever to be their first non-white contestant. Are they contestants? I have no idea. We're not talking about it. And while we believe with all our hearts that America's got talent, we don't think that show is how you find out, and we do not wish to discuss it further. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. Tonight's dinner party provocation comes to us from Sister Mary Steve from the Butcherlite Sisterhood in Sarasota, Florida. Hello, God. It's me, Sister Mary Steve. I know I'm not as fancy as Pope Mary Francis, who they had in here last week, so I'll try to keep it simple. So, anyway, God, I'd just like to know what's wrong with women. I mean, if you don't like us and you don't trust us, why make so many of us? People could just reproduce by fission, like amoebas. It's very effective, as I understand it. There are a lot of amoebas. And if just splitting in two seems a little impractical, consider how much trouble birth actually is. I mean, you are God, right? We really could come from behind a cabbage leaf if you wanted. I guess my point is, if you don't like women, why make two sexes at all? And if you do like women, maybe it's time to make with a little good old-fashioned smiting? I'm just saying, we could use a hand or a break. Your call. Ah, man. Miserable accordion and... Bless this dinner party and all that. I think it's Misericordia. Are you going to call her and tell her that it's not Miserable Accordion? I'm not calling Sister Mary Steve and telling her anything. You're just asking to get wrapped on the knuckles with a ruler. That's the way I feel about it. (laughs) Okay, fine. She seems pretty tough to me. Fine, fine. You sort of skated past that whole mean nun phase that a lot of people went through. Do you know what happened to me? I've been waiting you know for an what happened opportunity to, you. to say this. I'm so glad I've provided it. Do you know it. what had happened to me? We should get a radio show so that you can express yourself more freely, Christopher. I, I said, You've been such a repressed I said child. earlier today, you call me on the phone, or you usually call me on the phone the day of the show, and you start sort of having the show with me, and I'm thinking, God, we got to conserve some of this, and then I realize you have a limitless supply of oh, Eric. Oh, absolutely. So anyway, earlier today, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I remember thinking of this story, which is that for the first 10 years of my life, I went to a very experienced experimental hippie school 
in Northern California, in the Bay Area, called Synergy. It's called Hippie School. It was called Synergy, which, which is, is practically kind of the same school. thing. And most of the teachers there were lesbian academics of various ethnicities. And so I react around mature lesbian women the way a lot of my friends from the South do around Catholic nuns. Like I, that's an authority probably, figure is here. Right? Clean up your fucking act. It's a lesbian. You know, like that's that's my child. Ethnically diverse lesbian, <laughs> black lesbian academics, very intelligent, very smart, no nonsense women who knew how the world should be. Does Melissa Harris Perry freak it's, you out? Yeah, in a very it makes me feel sort of safe, and yet I'm going to do it wrong. You know, Melissa Harris Perry and Goldie Taylor, both of them, they're on MSNBC all the time. I love them. <laughs> I follow them on Twitter, and I just want to make them happy. Miserable so accordion that I'll TV. Pass. Anyway, the dinner party show has an announcement to make. Dun, da, 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 da. Um, we, I am. It's about what? me Ugh. again, again. But uh, I am doing a very special giveaway slash promotion. Why is it so special, Christopher? Well, my novel, The Heavens Rise, releases <gasps> in October. Can't wait! And if you pre-order it, and if you send a copy of your receipt, either a scan or some sort of digital version of your receipt or proof of sale, to and- the following email address. The heavens rise at gmail.com. That's clever. Um, after the book comes out, I will mail you a signed copy of an original manuscript page with author notes. Everyone is going to get a copy of the same thing because that's what the law actually makes you do. You can't have a contest for There's a, a law process. about yeah. giving away what you would otherwise recycle? No. This is law. You're such a bitch. I called you a bitch earlier today on the phone. And book. I really think that. This just in. Eric Shawquin is still a bitch. That's right. Grover Cleveland is still dead, and Eric Shawquin is still a bitch. We should have him on the show. Grover? Do you do a good Grover Cleveland? I don't know if anybody does. Is there a recording of him? Is he on YouTube, or did he make die before video? Did he make the cut? Well, I don't know. Okay, just, ask the party people. Just to finish up that thought, uh, which you, thought is that? it's illegal to have a contest where the entry to the contest is making a purchase. I actually think the more important thought there is you can get a signed author's note page from the manuscript of the Heaven Rise mm-hmm. if you send your your a scan of your receipt to the Heavens Rise at, at gmail dot com. I think that's a very cool contest and something that you know suitable for framing. I think yeah. It'd be the hell out of and they a morning will be... edition mug and you know you get a book besides yeah one of our friends asked me the other day if we had coffee mugs yet for the show for the dinner I, you know show. I'm working on it dinner wear right yeah absolutely yeah. t-shirts right? yeah t-shirts I'm I'm looking for a supplier for t-shirts that can fulfill it so that they won't be too expensive sixty dollar t-shirt I think probably part of it is that I don't know how much people actually pay for t-shirts that have things printed on them like maybe it's a more reasonable price than I thought but well, I knew this woman named Deidre in New Orleans, and she came to parties with a T-shirt that said, if "The you, Deidre." Her name was Deidre. The Deidre, and From her once. shirt would say, "If you can read this, then you're too fucking close." So I'll call her and see how much her T-shirts cost. Right, and the "I'm with stupid." <laughs> well, I want an "I'm with stupid" T-shirt with the arrow. Exactly. That at whatever. Um, tonight, you are the guest. Our party people. We are going to devote our show to the news stories that you brought to the Facebook page all week long, and the questions that you shoot to us tonight via Shea Butters, who is currently on our Facebook page. But for now, we have a special report from Breck Artery, our fairly imbalanced newsman. Very special. We take you to Breck Artery, live from the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Breck? 
This is Brick Artery, live from the foyer of our nation's capital, where history is being made. The Capitol building is largely empty, as the Congress has left for their summer vacation. Not to be confused with the time they were actually here for up to 12 days a month, a couple of months so far this year. This Congress is on track to set modern historical precedent as the most unproductive session of Congress ever. In order to do this, they will have to break the record they set last year. As the anarchists who've taken control of this body work tirelessly during these times of economic, social, and environmental crisis to grind to a halt the government of what still struggles to be the most vibrant and powerful nation in the history of the world despite their efforts to destroy it. At this point, last session, Congress had only signed 23 bills into law. This year, when Congress adjourned after working a whopping two days this month and with no farm bill, no jobs bill, and the country poised to be blackmailed over congressional threats to refuse to pay the bills that Congress is constitutionally required to pay, only 15 pieces of legislation have been passed. Though, it is worth noting that they voted a total of 40 times now to repeal healthcare reform. Cause God knows, no one in America needs healthcare. Sorry, that was a little sarcastic for a newsman, but when the Speaker of the House actually says that we shouldn't judge Congress by how many bills they've passed, but how many they've repealed, even though they haven't repealed any laws, I find myself tempted to match their tone of unprofessionalism. In the end, with gridlock bordering on permalock, a host of unconfirmed presidential appointees, the resulting unfilled judgeships and leaderless essential government agencies, and actual serious issues undealt with, along with a plethora of amazing opportunities that this virulent group of anti-American anarchists daily prevent this country benefiting from through their ceaseless obstruction of even the most obvious common sense measures, this reporter is left reeling and wondering. Why do these people want to be in public office? They don't seem to like government, ours at least. They don't support the Constitution they are sworn to protect, though they certainly talk enough about it. They clearly don't give a shit about the people of this country. Their ideological leaders vow that they want to weaken our government to the point that it can be drowned in a bathtub. So why work in government service? Surely there are widows and orphans to be evicted out there, retirees to be swindled, mustaches to be twirled. I guess, since they've only worked 86 days so far this year, and we're using the term worked pretty loosely here, passed only 15 pieces of legislation and repealed none, the obvious answer is they don't want to work in government service. Or at least, they aren't. Perhaps what we have is a really long, slow, boring revolution taking place, an almost imperceptible glacial overthrow of our government that will end when they turn off the lights, stuff the last of our money into their well-lined pockets, and return home to the mansions we paid for, and leave this building, this temple, this monument to what we could achieve together to return to the chaos of the weedy swamp we drained to build it. Who knows, perhaps they already have, and we're all just too bored with their inaction and obfuscation to notice. 
This is Breck Artery, live from the site of the least beneficial and most expensive and wasteful public works program in the history of mankind, wishing you good night, good dinner, and better government. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. We had a bit of a pause before Breck Artery's report there. I wonder what happened with Breck. <laughs> Maybe somebody didn't give the proper signal as he was leaning over to, you know, flip a switch on that sketch. But well, anyway. Well, I'm just glad Judy Garland sobered up long enough to sing that last one with old <laughs> Barbara. Her heart. God, this show is gay. Um, so, we said all week long we which, asked our which party people. Which actually can be a good thing, too. I, th- I think I it's love a that, good thing. I love that Pete Wentz quote that we posted on the page yes. last week, but I actually think we could make being gay a good thing. I, I think you have to think being gay is a bad thing in order for that to be an insult. Did you see what Pink said to some idiots on Twitter? Because mm. all news stories now are traceable back to some idiots on Twitter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Someone called her a lesbian, and she said, thank you, that's actually a compliment. Some of my favorite people are lesbians, and if you're going to hate me, you'll have to be more creative than that. Right? That's kind of what Oprah said to the ongoing rumors about her her being lesbian, she said, I would tell you if I was a lesbian. I don't think there's actually anything wrong with that. I, That's good. I would not be hiding that from then you. Then why if it was the hasn't truth. she married Stedman? Why should she? I don't know. Who she's Oprah. To, Who the, yeah, she like, still I'm gets. Not I'm not giving I, half of anything to anyone if I'm you know, Oprah. Why buy the bull? I mean, if we said it about cows, why be <laughs> by the bull if you're still getting the, uh, you know, what you get from bulls for free? <laughs> right. What you get from bulls with Eric Shaw Quinn. Right? Okay, here's the deal with this show. You're the guest. You, our party people, are the guest. We already have some people chiming in. Eric Shaw Quinn, according to Regis Harden Jr., is not a, just a bitch. He is a lovable bitch. Are you a good bitch or a bad bitch? Right, exactly. I'm a good bitch. Um, however, there is one story that one party person has brought to our page several times. Hard if hitting. If we don't address it. It's a, it's a very important it's, story. This is really, this is intense. This may be our most contentious segment yet. The U.S. says goodbye to cursive writing. Okay, Amy Bellino, who celebrated a birthday, I think last week, has asked us to comment on this story several times. The United States is saying goodbye to cursive, this article asserts, a writing practice that is already in disuse and now disappearing completely from the school curriculum in 45 states. New Common Core standards have been adopted that no longer require cursive instruction, but leave it up to the district teacher to decide whether it should be taught. And apparently the Vatican has an opinion on this. Why would the Vatican have an opinion? Because, you know, old useless stuff is their purview. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, if nobody else is laughing at us, we're laughing at ourselves. That's right. Um... What do you think? Do you know how to write cursive, Eric Sharkman? You know, I, they taught us. I, honestly, it's one of those things. That, if you're going to include it in the curriculum still, maybe you should include it as an elective and later. I think that we do all sorts of things. That One of the things that the article pointed out was that being a literate person involves a lot of things other than just you know, the bare minimum of being able to communicate, I wouldn't mind taking a course in being able to read Twitter speak or Mm. text speak. I have no idea what most of that, and I think that's a part of literacy. I think that's a part of literacy in our culture as well. But I I think it's confusing for children to be presented with um, both pretty much simultaneously. They went through teaching me how to write everything in, you know, 
uh, block printing, I guess, cursive writing. And then as soon as we got done, then we started on cursive. Now we were very excited about it, but I think that my overall writing may have suffered a little bit. I kind of merged cursive and print you writing really into you have their very, own very unique sort of, yeah. It's very lively, your block printing. Very. A lot of trails and tails. It looks and, maybe like it might be Arabic. It has yeah. that kind of quality to it. Um, so I... I don't. I'm not opposed to cursive writing, but I do think maybe we ought to rethink the way in which we include it in the curriculum. Well, I, California, but, Georgia, and Massachusetts have wisely adopted laws to keep cursive as mandatory. That's a direct quote from the article. I'm not judging them as wise, but I hope keyboard writing is also mandatory because to me that's the most useful thing you could learn in school at this point since most everything we do is written with a keyboard now. I agree and there is a point made here that claims there was a study that said that writing on a keyboard does not stimulate the language processing centers in your brain the way writing with your hand does but for God's sake it has to stimulate something and it's a job requirement you know, one so. of the, who was it who pointed this out recently that that as writers, as we have learned to compose on keyboards, we have actually merged a left brain and a right brained activity. We're wow, creating it one that. on the one hand because we're writing original material, and on the other hand, we are performing a right uh, being a left left brain or whatever kind of person, a creative I person. I, I can never remember which, which side one. Is which, yeah. But one thing, the the actual typing is the practical side, and then. The composing yeah. is the is a is I guess it's kind of the same as playing the piano and composing at the same time. It 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 marries those two skills rather than eliminating the one. I would just dis, I would dispute that. I think that's okay. actually okay. a brilliant observation. I, you know, I always I thought it was about it. Um, standardization. I had always thought it was about teaching people to write in a sort of relatively standardized form that smoothed out some of their individual quirks yeah, and their it called? penmanship. The, the Palmer push pull uh, method or something like that. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, I think that that we ought to be teaching something so that we can learn, you know, we have to learn to read and recognize the, the abstractions that letters are. But but also we need to calm the fuck down about certain things. Like there's a line in this article that says, this generation can barely or no longer read the letters of their parents and grandparents and it's sinking quickly into barbarianism. Um, uh, honestly, I would say, how many of us can actually read other people's cursive writing? I think it's almost illegible anyway. It's not, it's not a very legible way to communicate. It looks great on wedding invitations, but in real life, it's kind of challenging. You know, an interesting thing that I read recently, to get this back to what you and I both do, which is we write novels is to the, get it back to us which to is bringing really what it we back like to talk about bringing it back to me um stephen king had a very terrible accident several years ago he was hit by a van yeah Yikes. and he said learning to write again physically was incredibly challenging because sitting at the desk for a long period of uh, of a time was painful for him given the extent of his injuries and writing at a keyboard Yikes. was out because that combined with carpal tunnel that he had developed from years of typing at a keyboard, it was just over. He couldn't write in that really? way anymore. So Dreamcatcher, which was the first big novel he wrote after his accident, was written entirely in longhand. And he said it completely changed his relationship to language, that he loved it. He took his time. Um, you can, I think, in some editions of his books, they include longhand chapters that he wrote. He's got incredibly neat uh -huh. um, writing, and it is not... Cursive. It is block printing. 
I wrote Say Uncle in longhand. Did you? It's also, yeah, if I were to give away pages of that, I actually still have the handwritten manuscript of Say Uncle. Well, that is an excellent segue into something else our party people have been asking you about, which is the sequel to Say Uncle, which you have mentioned several times. There's that, and also some people wanted to know about the Jonathan and David book that you've referenced a few times on the air. Well, that's very nice of them. They're all (laughs) written. I I am in the process currently of um, editing a book that I wrote based on uh, my experience with that drunken whore. No! Everybody drink. Um, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> That's our new hotkey. <laughs> I think we're going to play that every time you call that woman a name. That's Sue Simmons, New York newscaster, believing she was not on the air, shouting oh, at her fellow love news anchor. that clip, yes. After we're done, look the that up. The fuck are you doing? <laughs> you can look it up on YouTube, I guess, but... But not right now. Right now we're on the air, so not until the show is over. Yeah. But yeah, so so they're definitely on the list. I, I you know the the uh, the sequel to Say Uncle is really a challenge. It's called I Do, and it's written about gay marriage, and that's that subject has really changed mm. so dramatically recently. Like when I wrote it in the '90s, it was a much different topic. Um, so. I guess I'd have to revisit it or maybe as a historical sort of thing. And the Jonathan and David book, my God, is like a labor of love. I I hope one day to bring that out to a, a larger audience. But, well, but and step this is one, the area but where step you can. one, but the next one that's coming out, the one that I'm working on now is a murder mystery series about uh, this uh, harried Hollywood uh, writer type and the drunken whore. Um, who the he, fuck are you doing? Whose book he ghost wrote, who uh, he hates and who hates him, and they are thrown together to solve crimes. Yay! Solving yeah, crimes. Yeah, I just, I would, I've, oh, I think it would be so much fun to write a story about, Yay! right, about the, the, um, the, the, the gay guy and his gal pal who hate each other. Rather than their best friends, right? It's about right. That's frenemies, refreshing. Yeah. Moving away from the Will and Grace model and moving towards, you know, something more akin to me and that drunken whore. <laughs> wait, I have to do it again. Yeah. Hold on, hold wait, on. wait, quick. The fuck are you doing? If, if so you're I think wondering, that's five party drinks, people, everybody, right? I, everybody is shit faced at this point. Um, uh, but anyway, I've got to go to the bathroom at the next break. So get go ahead. So and get ready. Top up your glass, guys. It's all about you tonight. You're the guest on this episode of the Dinner Party Show. I'm uh, Christopher Rice, and Eric Shaw Quinn is still over there next to me. And now we're going to treat you to one of our new and much improved and much shorter technical promos. Ooh. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we're the co-hosts of The Dinner Party Show. Would you like to be one of our party people? That's our affectionate nickname for the folks who interact with us during our live shows using our Facebook fan page. That's right. Shea Butters, our somewhat loyal manservant, is always manning our Facebook page and sending us your questions and comments so we can respond to them live on the air. If you'd like to play along with the rest of us, be sure to like The Dinner Party Show's page on Facebook. On SoundCloud, we post the work of all of our deranged sponsors and special correspondents, and we do so in a format that's easy to share with all of your friends on social media. So, if you like a sketch, head over to SoundCloud and spread it all over your world. You can follow us on Twitter at Dinner Party Show to enjoy favorite quotes from each live cast and breaking Dinner Party Show news. And don't forget about our YouTube channel, where you can enjoy backstage videos and breathless show recaps from your over-caffeinated hosts. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we're thrilled to have you at our party.
The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hey, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. You know, Aquarius, to be as selfish as you are sometimes, you can be a real good friend when you put your mind to it. (sighs) Well, Mercury is in Leo through the 23rd, and, well, (laughs) I don't know about you, but things have never been clearer. The messenger of the gods gives us all a little second sight as the big picture snaps into focus and minor details just fall away. Like how Libra seemed like he was just a selfish whore, but really, he's just asserting his masculine prerogative. I mean, who can fault a man for knowing what he wants and going for it? I mean, his ex, but who else, really? I know I've learned my lesson. If my focus is just on the dirt, I miss the whole garden. Mercury's influence restores our youthful insights, undimmed by the jade of experience that can prevent us from seeing the truth. Your vivacity will be on the rise and your convivial style may make you the life of the party. But be careful not to go too far and get tangled up in drama or trip up on embellishments. With Mercury's sharpened vision and visions like Libra to focus on, romance will be front and center. You'll be longing to express your feelings. You might even find yourself writing the star of your heart a love letter, a poem, or a song, or... Maybe all three. Yeah, all three. God, what was I thinking? I gotta go see if I can catch that postman. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars. Welcome back to the Amy Bellino Show. Oh, excuse me. No, I just have another joke from our party person, Amy Bellino, I wanted to share. Oh, what is it now, Amy? My God, she's wound up. We advertised a product last week called Child Mist. (laughs) And Amy posted a photo on the page of a child straitjacket that you can buy. Oh, that sounds very helpful. For when your nephew comes to visit. No, Although he's probably actually, too big for it my now. nephew, yeah, who is, well, I'm sure they make a variety of sizes of <laughs> I don't think it's a gag jacket. product. Do I don't think still, it comes in multiple sizes. Do, do they still employ straight jackets outside of movies and whatever? Like and music that... videos? No, God, I don't think so. I hope not. I would hate to think that mental health still involves that sort of. But you never know. You I'm really the son, don't. The son of Sam guy, mm, straight yeah. jacket. Yeah, sure. Um, what was I going? What, I don't know. What, what you did were I start talk to about? tell? Child missed and your nephew. Oh, I said yeah. when your nephew comes I, to visit. Marcos was always such a wonderful kid. I, it would never uh-huh. have been required. We wouldn't have needed. He was really kind of ideal. I think it was because he was surrounded by giant adult people all the time. <laughs> but whatever it takes. Okay, listen. Enough with your story. Enough with your palava. Uh, enough with your palava, you lovable bitch. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Uh, we forgot to cover our Jordan Ampersand weekly contest. <gasps> Oh my God! And as you pointed and out, we only have an hour and a half left. <laughs> you know what? You think you're so smart, still Eric a bitch. This just in: breaking news. Eric Sharquin is still a lovable bitch. We ask you to guess what happened to Jordan Ampersand at the end of last week's segment. We're going to play for you the sound of what happened to Jordan Ampersand at the last week's segment, and so we can be reminded of what we were guessing. Okay. I have some reading to do alone. 
That's going to leave a mark. Watch out, Jordan. Well, he sounded a lot like uh, the lady who was crushing grapes in that YouTube video who fell off the thing. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You didn't see her, I'm taking from your goggle-eyed expression. You know, I didn't see her. I, okay. Sorry, I missed that. I, I, you know, I'm going to have to catch up on my YouTube on, viewing. You have a lot of YouTube. Yeah, as soon really, as you can get off Xtube, you should get on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Why Bellino. Why want to do that? Amy Bellino is the first guest on the Jordan Anderson contest. What did she contest. guess? She, what did Amy guess? She thinks you pushed Jordan in front of the street sweeper along with Fitzpatrick in an effort to clean up the studio. No, that's not right, Amy. I'm sorry. Philip Cohen thinks you threw a g- grenade, excuse me, from under the table after he accidentally hit it with his axe and nonchalantly said, watch out, Jordan. So everybody thinks I'm actually the one injuring yes. Jordan. I would never actually injure Jordan. <laughs> I don't wish him, you know, I don't wish him well, but uh-huh. I would never, like, we're recording this. I, I don't want to go to jail for pushing right. him under Thanks. a bus. And or... I believe, that I believe. Okay, Mark Contreras says, as Jordan left, he was hit by Cato Kalin's ghostwriter, whose full-time job is as a truck driver, and he was speeding <laughs> because someone in the neighborhood said Cato's name three times. As I said on the show last uh, last week when we had Marsha Clark here, if you say Cato Kalin's name You've, three times in a row, two, that's two. he will appear in your guest house. I don't have a fucking guest house, so I'm fine. I'm good. So maybe he'll just be in your guest room. I think that could be worse. Alan Fogg said that Jordan was run over by our non-show guest, Adam Fitzgerald. <laughs> The poet who was unable to make our show last week because, because he's of a bad an, driver, apparently. But it was an injury-free car accident, yeah, so well, it's okay God. for us to laugh. Regis Harden Jr., who tonight dubbed Eric Shaw Quinn a lovable bitch, says, "All I can say is that Jordan was reading the book and ran in front of a truck. Who's paying his doctor bills? Not us, Regis." Um, wow, a lot of people guessed. Mark, Mike Martinez says Jordan was duct taped to a rolling office chair and pushed into the open elevator shaft. We don't actually have any elevator shafts at oh, our building. But doesn't that sound like fun? Michael Minch, he stepped in front of an out-of-control garbage truck. Michael Rakowski, the tour bus with the restless leg dancers ran over him. He now has amnesia and thinks he is Sleeping Beauty as seen by Anne Rice. I love that. That's a great one. Very creative backstory. Absolutely. Samiko Salson says, I think he was blown up in a freebase crack accident. Sorry for the loss of your janitor. Again? <laughs> Talitha Wagner, Wagner excuse me, says, Jordan was pushed in front of a truck hauling foster farms, chickens, and now there is a huge mess in front of the studio with chickens and cocks running around and shit. Shay has to clean up the mess. Oh, yeah, right. But it's like Shay natural. would lift a finger oh, to clean up please. a mess I don't around even wanna, here. I don't even want to start. Yeah. Okay. So we're changing the rules since none of you ever get it right. <gasps> what we, a mean thing to say. Well, you know, it's a hard guess. It's but a very complicated series of things. There, that it's sort of like that competition you came up with where people had to guess <laughs> what celebrities' names used to be before they changed them <laughs> That would have been fine. That would have been fine. It would have just taken, it would have been the longest game <laughs> Ever. It's uh, from the Smith. makers no, of my Bob favorite Smith. game, no. What Am I Thinking Of? <laughs> Go. What am I thinking of? Look at my face and tell You're me what thinking I'm thinking of. of. Which person won this competition? The winner of this competition. We're now going to declare the winner as the one who provides the most creative and interesting answer, and I believe that's Michael Rakowski. I think that's a much... Michael Rakowski, you win a signed advanced copy of my forthcoming novel, The Heavens Rise. <laughs> The fuck are you doing? <laughs> you just like that one. I can't stop hitting my Sue Simmons hotkey. Oh, 
I'm glad we finally got something in the studio that you like to play with. Yeah, finally. Finally, finally, finally. Well, I, we have some breaking news from Shea Butters. Da, 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 da. Eric Shockwin is still a bitch. we'll have to get to when we come, come back from the break. But we are still here on the Dinner Party Show tonight. You all are the guests. And uh, I'm just going to have to rein Eric Shaw Quinn as, as usual, that lovable bitch. Good luck with that. And we have new pop filters. I think that doesn't mean anything to anybody can you, except Can for you us. tell the difference at home? Pop, pop, Are we less pop filter. Pop, pop, pop filters. You'll see them on YouTube. We're, we're taking video right now. Right. That, yeah, Tune absolutely. in to see our fabulous new pop filters. Absolutely. Wow. Well, now it's time for an ad from one of our crazy new sponsors. This fall, on some brand new cable channel we're desperate to find cheap programming for, it's a brand new reality series featuring a bunch of dumb, drunk, hot women. We call it Skanks! Wait, that's really what we're calling it. Yup, this fall on Throb TV, it's Skanks! They live in a city that looks sort of good on camera, they own a bunch of low-cut dresses, and they get wasted a lot. Okay, wait, wait, I don't mean to be a pain here, but that's really the only angle we have. I mean, like they're not all a certain ethnicity, or they don't have the same job, or they haven't all dated the same guy. No, they're skanks! Listen. I like to party, I like to dance, and I like to fight over I don't mean to be difficult, really. I don't, but I just feel like we need something more here. Whatever. If you want to be sophisticated about reality television, go watch The Voice. Stop being a dick. I'm raising some good points here. Stop fucking up the promo for this shit show we've already sold a bunch of ad time for, all right? Just deal with it. It's Skanks! <laughs> And now it's time for Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. I don't think they're taking Shark Week seriously. This has been Eric's Rash Pronouncement of the Week. Welcome back to your local community theater production of Ivanhoe with that music. Uh, I have to voice my strong agreement with your rash pronouncement this week. Shark Week is bullshit this rash year. Rash but true, yes. It was really the worst Shark Week ever. Now, did you follow it along? Because I just gave up after that bullshit Megalodon well, special. Well, there was some stuff that I ended up... I found one show called The Shark Down, which I thought was actually pretty good. It was it combined Shark the sort down. of... Yeah. yeah. They counted down. down. One, two, they also had this really hot Australian and New there Zealand we go. guy. There we go. It. Eric tunes into Shark Week for the hot Australians. But honestly, there were hot Australians on the other shows that didn't that it didn't save them. But they, they did this thing where they counted down the ten deadliest sharks, and they did a lot of other sharks in there too. And they were interesting, and they actually showed actual um, informative things yeah. about the sharks and gave, you know, body count and stuff like that. Right, so right. that was really more fun. But most of them, like that Megalodon oh, let's thing. Let's talk was about just, that Megalodon like, thing. That was such 
bullshit. I knew it was bullshit from the opening frame. I knew this wasn't real footage that had been shot on the deck that, of any boat. I, I it have was too to say, filmic the, and too the, professional the, looking. The found Nazi picture of the shark <laughs> that was longer than the U-boat was like with the six foot tall dorsal fin that had clearly been drawn with like yeah, a Crayola like with, on an yeah, overhead with a projector slide. On somebody's yeah, it was it, uh, terrible. It was a terrible. It was bad, and it was. I, I kind of got the idea, but the way they went about it was so. It was deceitful. It, it was absolutely deceitful. They presented it as if it was a real documentary. They they laced in actual shark experts. They didn't say this footage was fake. They didn't delineate between who the actors were and who the experts were. And they were often together in the same scenes. And then at the very end of the special, they they put these um, disclaimers up for a whopping total of three seconds. What are you doing with your hair? Just because we don't have Marsha Clark in the studio does not mean you can misbehave tonight. I and I am mad about I'm this Megalodon about, special. I really, you know, like I, that's a different. Yeah, I was just. I thought it was just poorly done. I, I'm not as outraged as you are about the deceitful, the mendacity of it all. The mendacity uh, of discovery. Yes, no. It. it just was. It wasn't in keeping with the spirit of Shark Week. Like I, I, what I know that seems really sort Shark of Week? lame and nerdy of me to have a feeling about that, but. Like, I really, like, it's it's always been this sort of, like, one of my favorite things is Wrath of God Week. Remember, yes, you know, where they show because you hate footage God. about, where they, sh- <laughs> <laughs> no, that isn't it. Where they show, you know, footage from all of these natural disasters. And so you're actually seeing informative things yes. about stuff that is fascinating, morbidly, but still fascinating. And I think that was always sort of what I liked. That's why I liked the shark down. It was sort of campy, but they were really actually providing real... But the real, stupid thing but the, about Megalodon... But the Megalodon thing was, it's a prehistoric and extinct It's extinct! Creature, it's, there's no evidence that it's still and alive. And to present it as though there might be is kind of... And, and this was the setup. They they went to these shark experts and asked them to start describing situations that may occur if the shark wasn't extinct. So your jumping off place is ridiculous. It would be like if you went to the Smithsonian and said, now, if a Tyrannosaurus Rex was working as a waiter, how would that go for right. the other customers? Or, or they the, say, well, the customers would probably be eaten. The T-Rex would be frightened to be in such a confined space with a foreign species such as humans. And then you present that as if it's an actual documentary. You know who's really mad about this is Will Wheaton. What what did he have? Will to say? Wheaton says it's a betrayal of the Discovery Channel's pledge to teach young people about science. That is a completely fake, bogus documentary, and it doesn't. Right. I, I, I think that's part of the reason why it doesn't fit with the I, spirit and, of sharks. Right, and that's kind of what I meant. Like you, it it appeals to our curiosity about sharks, but it also educates us. Like one of the things that the the shark down pointed out was that actually great whites, while they take a bad rap, are not really that big of a threat to us. The worst shark, the ones that that came in number one, spoiler alert, um, were the bull sharks that they they attack and are much more threatening oh, yeah. to people right. that that the only reason that a uh, that a that a great white would bite you would be to see if they liked you and Unfortunately, because their bite is so severe, it can be really devastating and often fatal. But they won't eat you because they don't like you. They have a much yeah, more they don't like sense. They don't like the way we taste. Like one of the things that they were talking about was that 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 seal island off the coast of South Africa, 
where they hunt right. is really just a couple of miles from actually very popular beaches where there are where they don't attack people very often. So they're in the water with people all the time. Mm-hmm. It's true on the coast here as well. They call them um, the men in gray suits. Surfers call them oh. the men in gray suits because they're out. around off the coast here and they're not that interested in us. But bull sharks will just eat anything. Yeah, absolutely. They'll attack anything and they don't quit once they've discovered it's not something they want. Well, our party person Brad Hendricks is pointing out that maybe Shark Week has lost its power because they do it every month now on the Discovery Channel. I mean, not officially, but they show so many shark documentaries now that it sort of feels like it's every month. I honestly think they were trying to, for a more sort of marketing thing, like that, what was Shark All Night? Shark After Dark. It was the live show with the social media babe. It was like, and Joe B. from Peoria says, sharks continue to be scary, dude. And she would read the tweets aloud. And I'm sure she didn't cover any of the furious tweets from people like me who were saying, what the fuck was up with that Megalodon special? Yeah, so it anyway. was. It was. It was just, and that was the thing. Once the Megalodon special was over, it set the <laughs> tone for these whole series of shows that I recorded that were just unwatchable. There was this. Tell us about Ghost the, Shark or Phantom Shark. Phantom Shark. Or, right. What was it called? Uh, Cajun Shark. I don't know. Bayou Shark. I can't remember the words now. Kida Fadon or something. <laughs> Fadon or something. Some Cajun thing. It was this sort of honey boo boo shark hunter <laughs> thing. It was just. <laughs> It was like, what We've the come up hell? with a new show. Rand Valeron, our artist party person, if you are listening, he did the poster for Squeal. <laughs> we want to see a poster for Honey Boo Boo Shark Hunter. It was kind of, this was this special, and it was this sort of terrible, incredibly staged, useless thing where they were in search of this phantom voodoo shark. A voodoo, they call sh- it. A voodoo shark, voodoo, yeah. Yeah, voodoo shark, yeah. It was just awful, and it was degrading to the people who were involved, and it was insulting to the audience. It was Clearly yeah. not about a real thing, and this whole stagey, bad reality television. And there was just a lot of that mm-hmm. in the special. So really, the only two shows that I saw during the week that I liked were Shark Down, and there was another one called Alien Sharks, where they went really like into the Marianas Trench or something oh, and yeah. looked at sharks there. They were really weird, interesting species that were being characterized, and you could fast-forward through all the bullshit of, let's talk about the camera some more. Well, yeah, and the one thing that they did say in the Megalodon special uh, that's actually accurate is that only 5% of our ocean has been explored, okay? So if you're a horror novelist or a thriller novelist like me, you can really run with that. You can run with that. However, they said if this fish was not extinct, we would still see evidence of carcasses washing up. We would see actual animals that it had killed in the sea sort of washing up as well. And people said, well, we didn't discover an actual uh, giant squid until recently. And it's like, yes, but we had seen evidence of their existence right along. We had seen whales that had killed. And and corpses as well, yeah. Yeah, I I, I think if only 5% of the ocean has been explored, let's do some exploring and let's talk about things that actually oh, do I'm exist. Explore. I'm not going out there. As I opposed hate the ocean. to, well, them. I'm not, and you're not going either. There's I'm not no going tea. In, I won't go in like, the ocean. I won't go in anything that I can't see the bottom of. Like yeah, a swimming pool is kind of it for me. I won't go in a lake or a pond. Like fish do all kinds of stuff in there. I'm not getting in that nasty some water. Fish motel. Yeah. Some it's like fit. cat in a bathtub. Some one hour motel for fish. Not is what doing it is. that. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, none of that for me. But I think they could focus on actually showing us real 
species, you know, like something that's actually there rather than spending two hours talking about something that's actually not. Absolutely. And as somebody pointed out, I believe Shea Butters is actually pointing out to it, it to out to us currently, pardon me. The Animal Planet did something similar with mermaids recently. They had a fake mermaids documentary and everyone was oh, like, for these sake. mermaids look a lot like special effects. I don't know if this is real. <laughs> and they were. They were special effects. They were CGI mermaids. Well, of course they were because there's no such thing as mermaids for God's sake, nor has there ever been any such thing. At least there was such a thing as Megalodon. They also did this one with the people from the Prove It's Not So show, whatever the hell that's it's called. It's not called that. You gave it a refined I, British you know, title. It's Mythbusters. Yeah. It's not Prove It's Not So, sir. I divorce thee. I divorce thee. <laughs> I, I divorce thee. thee. No, it was they, <laughs> they were rebuilding their own megalodon mouth and uh-huh. then they like used it to like <laughs> they bite threw things. an entire whale they at it they threw stuff into it and saw it <laughs> let it bite it and there was an audience cheering for it. they brought the audience brought things and they put it in the megalodon <laughs> what did they mouth bring to, like animals or one ex-boyfriends kid brought his you know fake plastic lawnmower you know a little Weird. kid and people brought they televisions they did have it bite like a big um block of styrofoam to sort of see the size of the bite they were solving some murder mystery where they found a the skeleton of a headless whale. I were, see. Yeah, trying to solve okay. and prove that Megalodon Listen. was guilty. It was it was a bad week. It was just a it was bad a bad week. Shark week, shark week does so, not carry the yeah. endorsement of the dinner party show. Dial this year. up your game, Discovery However, Channel. We're not I, giving up. But I yeah. announced some breaking news before we went to um, the rash pronouncement and the commercial for Skanks, a new reality show, and that is that Sally Jesse Raphael has said that she would love to come on the dinner party show sometime soon. Love to have. Does she still have the red glasses? She does, and she has. Uh, she has has a we ever building Twitter follower uh, following. Excuse me. And I tweeted her earlier today. She was answering any questions you could tweet at her in time. And I said, "When are you coming on the dinner party show?" And she said, "I just got a place in Palm Springs, and so I'll be out there by you guys more often. And I would love to be a guest on the show. So we would love oh, to have Sally Jesse Raphael. Excellent. Something to look." forward to besides us. Absolutely. But in the meantime, we have... Uh, what happened with Jonelle Sams this week? I saw something weird. Did she have a guest? I Don't act all innocent, Christopher. Oh. You know perfectly good and well what happened. Oh, shit. Right. I know what happened. All right. Let's, let's get this over with. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's homemade relationship advice with Jonelle Sams. Huh? This is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Well, we are mighty lucky this week. Thanks to you, Mr. Christopher Rice, we have a special guest on Homemade Relationship Advice, Miss Lupe Guadalajara. That is not my name. Well, she's mostly known in these parts as Officer Lupe. Also not my name. Okay, Lupe, I'm just a stupid, ugly American. What is your name? Idiliata Lupita Guadalajara Maria Gonzalez Santa Anita Entonces Necesitana Curacao Azul Verdita Guantanamo Perdita Angelina Oceanacita. It is not. It is my name. Okay, well, what shall we call you? Lupe. That is what I called you. Yeah, you are hard to understand with that thick accent. Okay, Lupe. Lupe. 
Lupe. Lupe. That is how you just said it the last time. You're saying I don't know how to pronounce my own name? I'm saying that you are not coming on my show and picking a fight with me. Christopher felt that I was a little overexcited in my response to a series of letters that I got from you. I did not send you a letter. That I thought I got from Lupe. Lupe. Well, yes, whoever they were from. Christopher felt like it would help clear the air if Lupe came on the show to talk with me. You were wrong. Lupe. Lupe. It's an advice column. I can't be wrong. It's my advice. You'll give bad advice. Maybe, but it's still my advice. You don't have to take it, but it can't be wrong. Your life is a mirage. I'm not sure you know what that word means, Lupe. Lupe. My life is as real as it has been Blissful these past 23 years with Merle. Your life is shit. Lupe. Lupe. Now, you look here. I love my life, and I am sorry as I can be that you have not gotten over a teenage crush that you had on my husband. The father of my child. He is not, Lupe. Lupe. He is not the father of your child. We'll see, Diablita Blanca. I know what that means, Lupe. Lupe. And what do you mean, we'll see? Mr. Christopher Pepper Dist. What? We'll see. What kind of test are we talking about here? More Povich test. DNA? Povich, madre dios, you're stupid. Well, that is fine with me. We can settle this once and for all, and I can get a little peace on my own show and pretty much everywhere else in Poison Creek lately. Lupe? There, that's it. Maybe you're not as stupid as everyone think. Oh. Till next time. When we find out the truth of what Honel do to me. Jonel, it's Jonel. That's what I say, Honel. I'm Honel, Jonel Sams I, with Jomade, homemade advice. Oh, and I do not appreciate you bringing that golf cart in my house, Lupe. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonel Care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonel at thedinnerpartyshow.com. If you've been in a bad relationship with Christopher Ross, let's talk about it. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. <sighs> That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. And now it's time for the brand new series here on The Dinner Party Show. First, courtesy of the top studios in Hollywood, we brought you some of the world's worst pitch meetings. Now, we bring you some of the world's worst wedding toasts, courtesy of some really pissed-off brides. Here's another installment. Hi, hi, hi everyone. Hi, I'm, I'm Phil Klein. Uh, I'm Sarah's uncle. Uh, if you don't know, a lot of people call me Uncle Phil Steen, which is like a Jewish thing that I pretend to ignore because I have more money than them. <laughs> which I guess is why they made the joke in the first place. Uh, nobody's making it now because uh, I actually paid for most of this. Uh, my brother, he's uh, had some hard times, you know, hard times, you know, going to work. <laughs> So when his little girl wanted to have a big fairy tale wedding, he was like, well, not really. You're going to have the wedding your Uncle Philstein can afford. Isn't that sweet? Isn't it? It's sweet. Okay. 
Uh, I'm so proud of these two. I, I am. I'm so excited. You know, I, I was thinking about them on the ride up here, and boy, oh boy, that was a long ride. I, I mean, the email said that Napa is just a hop, skip, and a jump from Sacramento Airport, and I'm like, uh, yeah, not really, guys. This is a lot of traffic with a lot of fruitcakes. <laughs> but I guess this is a vineyard, and we're drinking their wine? I, I, I say that because they were such dicks when I asked them if they had something better. Anyway, so on like the five-hour drive up here, I, I was thinking about these two and their long courtship, and, and I mean long courtship. I mean like, Jesus, Sarah, did you think the guy was gay? Because I did when I first met him. I mean, you met him in art school, for Christ's sake. <laughs> art school. Jesus Christ, what was that shit about? I mean, four years in Boston, she comes home with all this stuff that looks like finger painting by an epileptic, you know what I mean? And her father's all, oh, look how talented Sarah is, because, you know, wouldn't you say that if you'd thrown all that good money away on that shit? Anyway, there's not any better wine up in here, like some Mondavi, maybe. I don't know. What? What is, what is that? Are you flipping me the bird, or are you going to look? Ah, maybe he's epileptic, too. Ah, maybe everyone here is epileptic. <laughs> yeah, epileptic pinion. Anyway, okay, where was I? Art school. Sarah, I mean, I shouldn't judge, right? I mean, what else was she gonna do? I mean, I mean there was a reason she had a date every weekend in high school, and it's not because she was book smart, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, uh, sometimes she'd get a little weird with me, you know, like freaky weird. Like, she'd, she'd get up on my lap and stuff, and I'd be like, you need to get off me now, Sarah, and she would, she would, she would. Uh, but then, when she was older, she came home once for Christmas and she'd been drinking and she came by the house after my wife was asleep and she was all like, we can now, because I'm old enough. And I was like, Sarah, that's not why we can't. And it was freaking me out because it was just like this movie I'd watched on the internet the night before and I was standing there and she was drunk and suddenly it hit me, oh my God, art school my ass. Sarah was the girl in that video. <laughs> You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. <sighs> That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Wow, that was one bad wedding toast. Where did we get that from? Uh, you know, a really bad wedding, apparently. Oh, God are. knows they didn't need it anymore. There was I, I don't think that wedding probably took. <laughs> I don't think it went on much longer. I, yeah, I think that was probably the end of that. Yeah. Or maybe the you know, the groom knew about the video. I, I don't know. It's weddings or tricky business. Listen, I just have an announcement to make. This will be of less relevance to our party people out there in the dark. Everyone who works on this show is fired. Do you hear me? All of the staff, you're fired. Could you could you wait until after the show? We still have to. They already the show. ate all of the cookies that you made. The, apparently, uh, you know, uh, Billy. What what is it? Beef Wellington found you. One. I was brought a single cookie on a plate because we usually have the cookies for the guests, and we have no cookie. 
I'm excuse me, we have no guests tonight. So all the cookies are gone because I was in here actually doing the show. Everybody were all dressed in pajamas. Everybody's off their game. This is just this is bullshit. This is not dinner party show. I quality. think they're all drunk. I think they're all drunk on the bar in our full bar. <laughs> the liquor at our full bar. All right, I'm just kidding. You guys are not fired. You see where we found the character for Uncle Phil's day. <laughs> I don't know. I sound nothing like him. <laughs> the fuck are you doing? That's, yeah, that's what I always say. All right, we've got a lot we want to talk about as soon as I get my my mouth back on the mic tonight. Um, we have that uh, sounds distasteful. <laughs> a little. Um, you know, we have a little dust up apparently happening between Time Warner Cable and CBS. Oh, I thought you apparent. were talking about you and Jonelle, you hiring the DNA test listen, thing and inflicting Lupe on Jonelle. Listen, you tell Jordan Ampersand the truth about himself every time he comes on this show. Jo- Jonelle exists in this vacuum of denial during all of her reports, which she doesn't do from here. She does them from Poison Creek, and then we just have to run them the way they are. So I thought I would put my hand in. Jordan inflicts himself on us, and Jonelle is sort of her own worst enemy. Jordan keeps you connected to the world of morons, and I think you get so smart. That's so Up there in your big brain. In my ivory tower. Hey, you want to know something interesting? At the substandard what? The size of your brain apparently does not correspond to intelligence. Really? It is the intricacy of your neurocircuitry, and that was what I learned before I dropped neuroscience in college. I see. It was, so, was it because your brain was so large, or so I, your circuitry was so No, it was because or? I wasn't aware that the class was going to be graded on a curve because everyone was getting Ds, like I was. So I thought, you know, I should really throw in the towel on this one. I'm a giant art fag. I don't need to know what goes on in the brain beyond... I need to know what goes on in the heart. Right? Right. Oh, that's so touching. It really is. Then, then the music swells, and they run out into a flower-filled field. <laughs> I feel like tonight is role reversal on the dinner party show. I'm the big loudmouth, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> when yeah, I- I've really toned it down. <laughs> That's what's happened. I'm just my shy and retiring Eric. We, we really, it's casual Friday, casual Sunday here at the dinner party casual, show. Right, since we don't have a guest, everybody's just doing whatever they want, eating all of Christopher's cookies, although I make That's the cookies for the guests, whatever. I believe we didn't get little sandwiches like we usually do. I have a self-diagnosed sinus infection, but I didn't take any Sudafed today. <laughs> <laughs> which he's writing a fascinating article about. You know what? If you don't want to hear about Times. my ailments, don't talk to me or call me on the telephone because I am an Irish Catholic and I am very committed to knowing what may or may not be going on in my body at any given but time. But not finding out. No, no, that's Just too much work. Just speculating about it. That's too much work. I have too many episodes of What's Your Favorite Show? I, I renounce your lies <laughs> on the BBC. I renounce your myths. Right. Okay, so we have uh, two big stories left to cover, and the biggest one we are leaving for last because we want it to be our dessert segment, which is our uninterrupted final 20 minutes of the show, and that's this little thing that's happening over in Russia. And or is going many, to happen over in many Russia. permutations. But there's another big story, which the party people, you guys don't seem to be that upset about. Maybe a lot of you don't live in L.A. or New York, where this is sort of headline news. But CBS has been pulled off of the air for us because of a dispute with Time Warner. And so... Which we really don't <laughs> care about, because what I'm upset about is they took Showtime with it. Yes. And I haven't seen Ray Donovan for a couple of weeks. And this will be my second week um, without Ray Donovan. And... 
I actually pay a fee for that. Right. So that really annoys me. I feel like CBS has already been paid, but apparently, well, we're running short of time, so we'll recap when we get back. We'll come back, back but... to this story, the Time Warner CBS dust-up, but in the meantime, we have an advertisement for a new TV series that you will be able to see. You've met her at the beginning of every cop show. Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to us. Who would want to shoot my husband in broad daylight? She can barely hold it together because she's just lost the person she loves the most. But still, she answers every question from the cops as best she can. But this fall, the tables are about to turn. She's the Wailing Wife, and it's her turn to ask the question. I don't need to talk to no cops about no drive-by. My name is Baby Spider, and everyone afraid of me. Oh, my God! Why won't you just answer our questions? Can't you see we're just trying to do our jobs? We work 12-hour shifts without a break. Detective Nelson is so much time with his job. He hasn't seen his kids in years. Why are you being so mean? Oh, God, lady, Jesus. Okay, just stop crying. God, you're crazy. When you're out of threats, tactics, and intimidation, nothing can advance the search for truth like a completely hysterical woman. She's law enforcement's new and not-so-secret weapon. She's the Wailing Wife. You can keep asking me as many questions as you'd like, but I'm sure when my very expensive lawyer arrives, we'll all have to decide whether or not a jury will take the word of an upstanding banker like myself over the claims of a crack-addicted prostitute. That is so unfair! Why would you think people would believe you just because you're rich? What do you say? He's saying that just because the woman was a prostitute, you were the right to beat her up. What is the matter with people today? Why is the world like that? No, I, I didn't mean it like that. Jesus, why is she so upset? Because you're a complete jerk. That's why. <laughs> some detectives speak truth to power, and some just use their fists. Now it's time for a detective who uses a classic manipulative emotional ploy that can trigger a primal feeling of inadequacy in almost every man on earth. She's the Wailing Wife. This fall on TDPS. Why? Isn't that thing about cops and donuts actually true? I thought we were going to be eating more donuts. <laughs> She's a case. A warning to mm-hmm. prospects from that particular wailing wife. <laughs> you know, you pointed out, I said before we went to that spot that this was a show you could actually see, and then you pointed out that you can't because it doesn't exist. You really actually can't yeah, see that show, no, because we made that up. Eric Sharkoin, we have five minutes in this segment. Break down what's going on with CBS and Time Warner. Break it down, Break babe. it down and go right to how you feel about it, because I know you got no problem making that jump. <laughs> Well, I'm just really annoyed. It's one of those but things where... But you don't watch anything on CBS. Giant... I'm going to jump back in here. I, I, you watch The Good Wife. I, yeah, nothing. It, it's Until this fall, it doesn't make any difference, which once oh, football, right, once the NFL is back, they, they'll figure this out. But um, 
Uh, yeah, like until NCIS LA and The Good Wife come back on, then I don't really watch anything on CBS at all. So, and we should add they, that Barrett Foa, one of the cast members of NCIS LA, was a guest on the right? show. And you can go to our show archive and listen to his appearance. And uh, anyway, as you Cue were, the theme music. as you work, yes, Trump. no, but yeah, we support Barrett. But I also really like that show. I watched that show before he was a guest on this on our show. But I, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, who let Sue Simmons in here? <laughs> I'm sorry, break it down, break it but down. But they took Showtime, which is really annoying to me. At this, uh, uh, the thing that really pisses me off is that CBS has on our dime, used our public airwaves for all these years and made billions of dollars and the programming is paid for by advertisers and they're paid a fee and now Les Moonves, who only makes $63 million a year, doesn't think they're making enough money at our expense, so he wants to be paid double what he's being paid by Time Warner, who provides him with... Because it's the number one station, but Time Warner provides them, in this case, with 3.5 million viewers. I wonder if they're still number one without right. the 3.5 million of us to watch their stupid shows. And he was also whinging about something else this week. Talk about that. He says it's unfair for CBS shows to be judged in the same Emmy categories as Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think he's mad about Game, Game of, of Thrones. Game of Thrones is good. Because Game of Thrones and is good. And his shows are not. And Big Brother is crap. Um, and they're, you know, obviously they're losing. No, but Good Wife actually is, and he doesn't feel like it's a fair category that they ought to be. But that's a very separate issue, and I think it's kind of like Big Baby. But my point is, okay, well, then fine. We would like to be, for all of you, um, ass-aching free market windbags who want to give me a lecture on my Facebook page for (laughs) posting about this. Yeah, that happened. Um, Yeah, You know, if you really in the free market, then I would like to be reimbursed by CBS since they've already been paid for this ad- this programming that I'm watching on my uh, my fee schedule here on my paid for channel. So if I have to watch your stupid commercials, then I think you should pay me in a free market, not not be paid double. Because it is the government who decides which airwaves they are allowed to use, right? The government says we have these airwaves that exist. The deal in was until we elected Mr. Reagan, president mm-hmm. of the United States, and he deregulated everything, and it all went to hell. But the deal was. In return for a certain amount of public access programming, which is what gave us the news and the Today Show and those kinds of things, those were all fulfilling the contract. They would be able to use our publicly owned airwaves basically for free. Right, right. Um, and there's some licensing involved, but is, it isn't is, any. Is, and is they've it... made billions off of it at at our behest, and we've gotten television programming out of it, but they're also paid for it by advertisers. So to be demanding that you get double your fees for your number one shows, you're already getting huge ad revenues, so charge more or give me back some of the money that you're getting from advertisers uh-huh. to for the privilege of being aired on something I'm paying for. I so see. since I'm paying for my cable, anyway, it just annoys the hell out of me that we're being jerked around by... And Mr. Bukes at uh, Time Warner is not any big prince either. I'm not saying that Les is the only bad guy in this, but it is ridiculous that CBS wants to be paid at all, let alone double, for 
publicly and, held program, right? That's and some of the articles broadcast on the airways. Some of the articles we printed out about this pointed out that what's really underneath all of this is that the whole marketplace is changing. There's now a technology called Arrow that I believe is available in New York City, where it takes the TV airwaves that you're talking about. It, it bypasses the cable system and it filters the broadcast through your internet so that it removes commercials. And everybody says this is Barry Diller, the media giant yeah. who developed this technology. Everybody says if this catches on and becomes functional and, and easy to use. It's over for them. It's over for the cable well, providers. And 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 right. And, and but it's really going to be over for the network people. Like Les Moonves and all of the folks at CBS will right. rue the day. I mean, this he may be bringing about his own demise through this. Like, are we really suffering that much? Like, if it's for fee, fine. Then I will choose whether or not I want to even pay for CBS. They, right. I can but, watch it for free and, online, and so what do I care about? And we'll get to this. We should get to this when we come back. But there's congressional legislation that involves its bipartisan support, and it, it's going after bundling, right, where a cable company says, in order to get this channel, you have to get five channels you may not necessarily right. like or want. And they're trying to go after that, too. And it has support from the Family Research Council because then you can just pick, okay, I want CBS, but I don't want you know, the tits channel. Anyway, um, we have a report from Jordan Ampersand, who I'm being told uh, went to uh, Provincetown this week. It was family I, week. I was at least off the hook. And so. you were off the hook. He filed his report from location. I don't think either of us have listened to it. I, I'm told it involves children. The bad news is he came back. Okay, but he didn't. But this report was from earlier in the week. So maybe maybe it just went fine. And maybe there was no horrible accident at the end. No, of it. I'm we'll sure see. everything went perfectly. Okay, we'll see. Hey, hookers! I'm Jordan Ampersand, critic at large for The Dinner Party Show, and this week I'm coming to you on location from Provincetown. Provincetown is a very popular tourist destination for gays who aren't hot enough to go to Fire Island. And this week, it's Family Week. That means gays and lesbians who are sick of having sex had kids, and they brought them to P-Town, this charming fishing village of washed-up drag queens. And their kids are so cute! Let's talk to some of them. Hi, small child. I'm Jordan Ampersand, and it's fun for you that you're talking to me. What's your name? Chandler Worthington. What a cute name. Now tell me, Chandler Worthington, how are you enjoying Family Week? Five days in some tatty B&B sleeping on a cot, listening to both of my father's snore. I believe you've answered your own question there, young man. You seem kind of harsh for a seven-year-old. Yes, well, you seem kind of upright for a scantily clad slut. Oh, my God. Do forgive me, Barbie. You see, in my home, where one father becomes apoplectic with rage if you're unable to recite all of the Tony winners from 1975 to the present, and the other falls into a state of nervous collapse, if you move one of the orchids, you must develop a sharp tongue just to make it through the first course at dinner without being filleted. Maybe they're just afraid of you because you've been possessed by a small British demon. Actually, it's a low dose of Paxil intended to fight a teensy bit of paranoia now and then. And I've stopped taking it, but don't tell them. A silly boy, you should always take drugs. Well, I do have a bit of sherry in the evening, but yes, thank you for the wonderful piece of advice. Now do tell me... What do the other Smurfs think of your wisdom? Whatever. Okay, so this is Family Week. Did you do anything that kids like to do while you were here? What do kids like to do? I, I wouldn't know. They try so hard, you see, Spencer and Hancock. I mean, they want everything to be perfect, so... Unlike it was for them in their families of origin, it seems like I'm always off to another act. 
activity, their sports camp, theater rehearsal, my exfoliation, tutor, regression therapy, Sundays followed by a rousing art class in which we attempt to draw our past lives. And in a few months, I'm off to L.A. for a week to attend Candy Spelling's design camp for the young and upwardly mobile. It just all gets to be a bit much after a while. Maybe your dads are always shipping you off someplace because you look like that doll from The Conjuring. You attend movies, too. What a sophisticate you are. I never claim to be sophisticated. I was just sent here to do a special report about gays having kids, and I ended up talking to you, and now I'm totally freaked out because you're mean. I thought gays were supposed to have nice kids. (laughs) Whatever made you believe that? If I had children, they would be awesome. Why? You seem like a horrible person. Yeah, but I'm hot. I rest my case. This just in, Dinner Party Show listeners. Gay people are having mean kids. No, 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 no. Gay people are having kids. Period. They're having large kids and small kids. They're having mean kids and nice kids. Some gays make lovely parents and some make atrocious parents. They are, in short, just like other people. Flawed, uneven, maybe trying a little bit too hard to be perfect when they're trying it all. And trust me, nothing is worse for gay people than the expectation that their equality under the law should depend upon their ability to be perfect at anything other than being human. Take that message home to your listeners, Jordan Ampersand. Do you have a shorter message I can take home? Because I didn't really follow that one. How's this? Grow up. Spoken like a true child. All right, run along and find your dads, Chandler Worthington. Yes, and good luck finding the giant drag queen whose ear you fell off of. Folks, well, you heard it here first, dinner party show listeners. There are some mean kids here at Provincetown Family Week, and personally, I'd like to get back home to West Hollywood where I can be judged on how much I weigh and not on how long my sentences are. Bye, hookers. My name's Jordan Ampersand, and I'm still awesome. Who cares what seven year olds think? Oh, dear. Oh, that is too bad. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we're the hosts of The Dinner Party Show. Our show is free across a variety of platforms. To listen live every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, head to thedinnerpartyshow.com and click on the black radio icon at the top left corner of the screen. And when we're not doing a live show, our player streams several of our most recent episodes for your continuous enjoyment. A podcast of The Complete Show posts to iTunes and the show archive on our website the day after the show debuts. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a good review if you like what you hear. For faster, easier downloading, we now include the entire show in a single podcast. Just look for our mono version on iTunes and in our show archive. But for those who would like to enjoy the best sound quality, we still post our show in four segments, all in stereo. Subscribers should click the iTunes setting Get All Episodes to make sure all versions of the show are downloading automatically. If you're already subscribed and happy with your downloads, you don't need to change a thing. You don't have to be stuck in front of your computer to enjoy our live shows or our stream. We have mobile apps available for both Android and Apple devices that allow you to open our player anywhere you are in the world. 
In other words, you just can't get away from us. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we've taken away all your excuses not to listen to The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. And we're still here. Uh, do you think anyone else is still here after that epic song that we just played? That was really, that was, it was the whole musical. We I just really didn't wanted sing the song. in that song. I was expecting the Harlem Boys Choir to come yeah, on I, in. Absolutely, and Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia, <laughs> I love Mahalia Jackson. Uh, listen, I went to the movies yesterday. Oh, what I a, did. yes, breaking I went with to tradition. see um, Pervy Jackson, oh, excuse me, Percy Jackson, and the Sea Monsters, I don't know what I saw. Logan Lerman You Lerman's went to see Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman is 21 years old. I posted that he was 22 years old on Facebook and somebody corrected me and said he's 21 and that's old enough and my because <laughs> that's the that's the the benchmark that we're looking for but here. let me tell you his, he's over 17 so what the fuck it's not like this carnal porny obsession with Taylor Lautner that so many Americans gay and straight have Logan Lerman is insanely talented he and really he's actually so good is. in the perks of being a wallflower it really was a great movie and the Percy Jackson things I think are a little youthful well, they're, they're a little, little soulless, too. They're a little jerry-rigged. I mean, it's just a series of gimmicks about this alternate world that is sort of connected to ancient Greek mythology, but there's not an overarching sort of emotional core to them. I realize a core can't be overarching, <laughs> that I've mixed, <laughs> mixed up my metaphors there. But I had a cookie. I had the one cookie our staff members left for us. Um, like, I was sitting in the movie thinking, even Twilight, to some degree, is better than this because Twilight knows what it's about and it commits to it wholeheartedly. It's about... Love. It's about obsession, romantic obsession. This is about like it's going to be is a little bit about, about teamwork. I, I don't know. You actually watched more of the Twilight yes, movies. Yes, I watched than the I whole. I watched all of the Twilight. Anyway, movies. anyway, I did. But, but um, and I'll watch this too. But I, I'm perfectly contented if you know Les Moonves is willing to let me to watch it on <laughs> uh, my cable that I pay for. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Okay, but uh, I, you know, I don't. It was in 3D, so the 3D was yeah, fun. Yeah, I won't get that at home. But usually, I, I just think it's a, it's more of a kids kind of movie. It, it has that sort of we should all work together as a team. Dum dum, you know, like yeah. really, that's the point of the whole movie. And it's like, well, okay, that's great. I but really that's a, mean it. I really mean it. <laughs> Eric um, and I love singing that. Yeah. Um, what I learned, my spiritual lesson of the week, is that if you are a lone gay man of a certain age at a movie that's geared for kids, because you are you know, a little uh, crushing on the lead actor who is of age, who is legal. It is not within your rights to tell the children around you to be quiet because you're really on their turf. Really not. And I did not. I actually caught myself. Good. I was like, are these damn kids Good. ever going to shut up so I can have weird, inappropriate fantasies about Logan Lerman? They're not inappropriate. He's of age. I kind of had the same feeling about going, although I went to Harry Potter because I was actually, I liked the books, but I kind of had the same feeling there. It was like, these people may be driving me a little crazy, but I'm here and I kind of have to go with the turf. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my my Logan Lerman thing. I'll tell you the other thing that happened on Facebook, and we uh, had Samiko Salson ask about it. I posted a video of Marsha Clark's appearance on our show last week, and we had some racism. We had some racism on my really? Facebook page. Oh, my God. We had a young man say that Trayvon 
that he was finally going to say it. He was the one. He was going to say it. That everyone else was afraid to say it, but he was glad Trayvon Martin was dead because he was clearly going to be a drain on the system. What a lovely thought. I just thought, you know, and then he said, you can't call me a racist. And I said, well, you know, what I wanted to say was, well, I could call you a psychopath, you know, for wishing a stranger that you've never met dead on the basis of evidence that was filtered to you through a right-wing, distorted, conspiracy-mongering media machine, and you call him a drain on the system. What do you know about this young man that gives you the cause to make this decision? Yeah, I think the only thing to say to people like that is, honey, have you had your meds today? Yeah. Well, it was weird. I was torn about it. Samiko asked us earlier if I was going to discuss it, and I think in a way it's sort of celebrating the comment to begin with because you always wonder if that's the reason the person posted it to begin with, to well, get a reaction. Of course it is. Yeah. I don't wonder at all. I think that's the reason people, Ann Coulter has made a career out of it and Rush Limbaugh. People just, as long as people are paying attention to them, they'll say anything. My choice is let's just ignore all of them, Sarah Palin and the lot, and they'll go away. Absolutely. They are a product of our paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. It's like bad children. Yeah. You just ignore them. Okay, so we've put it off long enough, and it's something that all we of our party people— We haven't put it people, off. We've had plenty of other things to cover. But we wanted to talk about it when we had time to sort of go on. And now we do. And now we do. And that's the controversy around the Winter Olympics in Russia, which we've not spoken out about before now. Well, um, we've posted on the site. We posted a um, petition, from a petition for people to sign. It's from, yeah, I, I don't know if he actually originated it, but he was certainly promoting it. Yeah, he's, re he's promoting it very heavily, and he's got a substantial social media following. Yes. He's got over 4 million people on Facebook that he is pushing and this And good for him. I, it's one of those things. That, I, I don't know if it's an impractical thing, but the suggestion is, is that since Russia has taken such an ugly kind of tone towards gay people and civil rights in general there— um, that maybe we should move the Olympics back to Vancouver. They've already built all of the facilities, and they they have said they would welcome having it back. So right. why well, not? Well, let's take the temperature of the latest from Russia. Okay, the anchor, the news anchor for Putin's controlled number one news show called for gays to be put to death uh, to a live studio audience who roared with applause. He says, and this is his quote, I think that just imposing fines on gays for homosexual propaganda among teenagers is not enough. They should be banned from donating blood and sperm, and their hearts, in case of an automobile accident, should be buried in the ground or burned as unsuitable for the continuation of life. The video of this features wild applause from the in-studio audience, and uh, this again is state-controlled television, number one news anchor in the country. That's what he's saying on live TV. So I guess that would be the equivalent of your boyfriend, what's his name, I'm forgetting, on NBC, Brian... Brian Williams. Brian Williams. Granted, we don't have the same relationship Brian between government and television. Brian replaced. We're all very concerned, but he seems to be pulling through. Way to stay on message. Yeah. Um, so You brought it up. I know, but that's what's going on in Russia, okay? That's the Brian latest. doesn't believe that. He's just the equivalent of that, although he doesn't work for state-run media. It's NBC who's delighted still to be on cable. NBC is not covering this at all. Media Matters for America had a report that I couldn't print out because I didn't, I wasn't able to enlarge the text. And I know you like big text, but they were, they were uh, documenting the mentions of this on NBC, and there have been almost none of them. They don't want to go near this because NBC is going there to cover these Olympics in six months. And NBC Universal released that sort of 
banal statement out, MSNBC actually had George Takai on, which is part of NBC, to actually Good. promote this particular petition. And they had so, Dustin Lance Black on And they as had well. Dustin yes. Lance Black on, and they had uh, the nephew of Harvey Milk, whose name escapes me, his last name is Milk, but I can't remember, who's, who heads the Milk Foundation, mm-hmm. um, to, on to talk about cheese. No, he was on to also <laughs> talk about their position about... Um, encouraging countries outside the United States to have a more tolerant sort of view towards gay people. I, I'll tell you, this is the thing, and I brought it up with you, and it's the thing that I, the thing that has that all of the, I've signed the petition. I posted the petition on our um, on our website. I, I I believe that we should at least send the message that a big country and this big television market would maybe like to move this elsewhere, and I hope that we can help move the needle on um, human rights in general in Russia and certainly uh, gay rights. But what this brought up for me, what this has really brought to the, f- the front of my mind is we really shut up about China. We sure did. I mean, we really did not say anything about China. I certainly didn't. I didn't see any petitions to sign. Mm-hmm. We really did. We really let them off the hook about so talk about civil rights violations, human like, rights, human violations. rights violations, just at the most basic level. I, I'm not saying it's OK for Russia, but I am saying this is kind of a double standard. It and is. I feel weird about it. I, it I still is. want to move. I signed the petition. We but, have a very different relationship with China, which I think determined what the reaction to people. But I did go online. 21st century country. And we have an in, intense and high intermeshed trade relationship with them. Right. Whereas Russia is sort of an internal mess and they're easy to beat up on and all that sort of stuff. I am not expressing sympathy for Russia. I'm just sort of no. trying to describe the situation uh, objectively. But the Chinese government apparently made a series of human rights pledges seven years before the Olympics were set to arrive in their country. And the Human Rights Watch released a report on August 6, 2008, before the Olympics began, that basically said they had not lived up to any of those pledges. None and of in them. fact, had and acted contrary Absolutely. To they had made a pledge they of environmental responsibility. And before the Olympics, they rounded up all of the migrant workers in charge of trash recycling in Beijing and literally bust them away. Nobody knows where they were taken. Um, they made uh, everybody stop driving so that you'd be able to breathe or at least so that you could yeah. see outside if you went outside. Absolutely. And it's not that one of these things is more important than the other. It's that they could, in a perfect world, be equally important and our outrage towards them could be similar. You know, But I think because this targets a specific group of people, it is easier for people to wrap their heads around it, whereas these are ongoing policies in China. China is an enormous country. It is a very difficult, it is a touchy issue that we have a very deep relationship with on, on a lot of levels, and it's really... Like, we just simply overlook most of the human rights violations that they are participating That's in. That's true. But I, it doesn't make Russia okay. But there's a, there's a wrinkle with the Russia situation that I'm just thinking of now, which is that there are conflicting public statements about how this anti-gay law will be applied to visiting foreigners. Whereas right. China did not make any threats against visitors right. in advance of the Olympics arriving. Absolutely. The, Putin says it will not be. That The author of the law itself said it absolutely will be. And if anyone makes a propaganda statement for gays, we will arrest them on site. You know, that because your, they're, they're, that that's Russian? my standard. Did they arrest? Russian dickhead accent. Yeah, they didn't arrest Tilda Swinton. I think they threatened to arrest uh, Lady Gaga and Madonna when they were there doing concerts, and they were like, um, fuck off, I'm Lady Gaga. 
I don't know if she said it quite like that, but you I, know, probably sounds about right. But so it it sounds like and, a lot of really, bluster. I really love your impersonation of the the Russian. Uh, All of my accents become Russian. Yeah, I think uh, every that, time that really I try excellent. to do, it was very they excellent. Russian. It was very excellent. Yeah, I I hope the, Lance Black certainly made the point when he was on MSNBC um, that he's hoping that we we can encourage a change um, in this attitude. Yeah, through our very persistent kind of. I think the president is probably right. I certainly, the one thing I don't want us to do is penalize the athletes. We boycotted the Olympics in Russia many years ago um, to prove a point uh, back during the Carter administration, I think. And we just penalized the athletes. Like that's really all that comes of the boycott. So that is definitely, I don't think that's what we want to happen. But I would love it if we could affect a positive change through a sort of sanctions kind of attitude Mm -hmm. about... Uh, how we deal with uh, Russia on the Olympics and a, and a host of issues. Well, I think that is what you remarked on with the George Takai uh, petition, which is that it's a constructive idea. It's not necessarily feasible, given that these Olympics are only six months away. I, you know, but it was I a proposal to move it to a city where the facilities already existed. Right. It wasn't entirely pie in the sky. No. you know, so It's but, a real suggestion. We're not just saying this is wrong or whatever. We're saying let's do something else. Because we don't want to give... If we can avoid it, you know, the the push to countries that are treating people badly. But we really have let a lot of other countries off I, the hook. And, and, and this issue comes up all the time. And some people raise it and some people ignore it. There are human rights violations going on all around the world. And they presuppose that we have a universal definition of human rights, which is something that comes into dispute all the time because we begin to deal with different cultures and different religions. And I will say, I said this the other night when we were talking about this, Ted Koppel did a special about China, a sort of five-part special, I guess it was. And I think it was either either immediately before or after the Olympics. And he interviewed a lot of Chinese people on camera and said, do you have a problem with the fact that what a lot of Westerners would, would consider to be essential civil rights, you've given up? And in the interviews again and again, the the subject said, no, we don't. We have a different relationship to our government than you do. We feel like we give up these things for something in return. We receive a level of protection, a level of sort of socialistic financial support from our government that you guys don't get. And we don't have the same attitude towards them. At the same time, we hear the reports of the land use protesters who are standing out in front of their homes right. being carted away. And, and the, and the well, issue is always there, whatever, yeah. as it is with North Korea, of who's being offered to me as my interview subject and are they being monitored? Right. You have those legitimate issues I in think countries it is that a, work that I way. think it is a real question. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why would you be candid in, an, in a repressive environment? Of course you're going to say that. Probably people in North Korea would say that while they were on camera. Oh, no, oh, it's yeah. lovely here. I yeah. All those pesky meals that I don't get yeah. troubled with. I, the, I think the, the bigger point is how do we address ourselves to the sovereignty of other countries and yet present a consistent... The thing that really is so annoying about this is that this was not the case in Russia at the time that the uh, the Olympic Committee chose to right. put the, the Winter Olympics there. Right. But how are you going to have figure skating without gay people? I just... I don't see how that's possible. Well, there's also a petition online to uh, have MSNBC send Rachel Maddow as a human rights correspondent covering the Olympics, which I thought was an interesting choice. I, it... it the, Anything that they do towards visitors or anybody in the games is going to create an unbelievable international incident. So I, that seems unlikely. But right. as again to you know to 
echo Lance Black that the the bigger issue is we want to encourage them to treat their own people better. I have a question for you since you are so smart. We had Buffy Peterson on the page I earlier really praising so your intelligence. Yeah, I'm just is, a genius. Is modern day Russia so is modern day Russia smart people are not always rich. No, I can if I'm smart then yeah. I'm living proof of that. Uh, Jordan Ambersand has like a trust fund or something. I don't know what he has. Are is modern day Russia like the Weimar Republic? Mm. No, not really, because the Weimar Republic was financially uh, destroyed because of war reparations. They were living under an enormous financial burden to so, pay for World War One, right. which Russia really isn't. Russia is, I think, probably— You can't equate the psychological loss of the Cold War with the psychological loss of World War One. You're saying there was an you actual— You might, but, there were, but, right. the, but the reason the Weimar Republic really self-destructed was that they were living under this gigantic financial burden. If the, yeah. if the currency hadn't become so valueless— mm-hmm. um, they might have stood a better chance of surviving as a viable country and we would have avoided the whole rise of Hitler or whatever. But but I, I think that, that Russia is probably more equivalent to post-Civil War United States, hmm. the sort of Wild West kind of robber baron world of that time in the United States. They, there had been the big upheaval, so – you know that, mm-hmm. that there's had oil and things had moved on. There was there's oil, oil, and yeah. there's this sort of unexplored new kind of territory, and people being freed financially mm-hmm. to do kind of whatever they want without a lot of regulation, and hence the rise of the robber barons. There's some billionaires like nobody's business coming out of this particular time period, and they, you know, when they don't like each other, they kill each other off. It it is a much sort of more freewheeling kind of beginnings, growing pain, sort of right. period of capitalism coming to roost in a formerly really repressive government where they've reelected the head of the KGB to be president because he kind of made them. Yeah. After they talked him into doing it in the first and, place, and he a, didn't want to do a it. A popular talking point here is that Putin is using this issue to distract from some really terrible domestic problems that are playing. I think the that's country. really obviously yeah. what's going on. I mean, I think that the country is really chaotic um, and yeah, it's a great distraction because this is all we're talking about and nobody is talking about. The president is not talking with him at all. And I think that's probably a bigger um, event to them than. But that's that's weird, too, because is he is Obama going to attend this overall summit? He's just not going to meet in person. He's just with not going to meet with Putin. Yeah, because that's ultimately you don't want your your leader to meet with anybody until the end of the agreement. And since we don't have any agreements with them. We're so far behind on progress with them. It's sort of pointless. Yeah. Like you have your lower functionaries who can actually negotiate with each other, meet until it's time to sign the agreement, and then you wheel out your presidents. I think it would be bad for Putin to meet with the president to get together to say what? Well, we still haven't agreed on anything. Great. Nice of you to stop by. You want a sandwich before you go? Like, <laughs> what are you going to say? Eric does mystery science theater on summit meetings. I love it. But also, um, Edward Snowden is there. And Putin is letting him stay there. That's also a factor. Yeah, that was I my saw um, Caprice Crane, a writer uh, named Caprice Crane, who's actually going to be a guest on our show sometime Excellent. soon, said that we should just tell Putin that Edward Snowden is gay and he'll send him right back. Well, I think that he's going to send Edward Snowden back before all is said and done. I saw this somewhere, too. There is a long history of Westerners who have defected to Russia and gone Oh, fuck, please let me come home, including Lee Harvey Oswald. 
I think that the defections to Russia do not was go why, well. Why we said last week in the not report, congratulations, Mr. Snowden, you win. Yeah, you get exactly. to stay in Russia. Jesus. What a Jesus. break. Russia is, a, it could, has, like China, has the potential to be a great nation. There was an interesting article in the Times this morning, the New York Times, um, about uh, Snowden's father talking about where they are with trying to get to a place with having a trial that will underscore what the point here mm-hmm. that will underscore what the point Snowden was trying to make, but will also be fair and equitable and that he can feel safe to come back and participate in, although I don't know why he wouldn't. Um, but then maybe that's naive of me. Interesting. Interesting. Well, so I think he may come back on his own if we can negotiate to a place where he's going to get the sort of trial that he feels is fair, but also commensurate with the point that he's trying to make. Right. I'm being told by Shea Butters that Regis Harden Jr. has posted a photo of the crosswalk outside the Russian embassy in Sweden painted in rainbow colors. Uh, I love Sweden. Everything that comes out of Sweden is great. Yeah. And beautiful and beautiful i want to go to that, sweden isn't it the prince of sweden that you're saying oh uh, you the like the prince of, of sweden yeah you should look that up too the along prince with the of sweden. The maybe prince shea of sweden butters can find the buzzfeed post pretty spectacular on the prince of sweden and let's not forget about numi rapace one of my favorite new actresses right? also swedish also swedish just and also fabulous despite prometheus yeah exactly and we, so is um lowry's son is also fabulous despite logan marshall, logan green. marshall green is also fabulous despite prometheus indeed well, it's time for a pretty weird installment of Best Served Warm. I'm not sure why we're airing this, but we are. And then we will be back for a wrap-up here on the Dinner Party Show. And now, a very special Best Served Warm with Christopher and Eric. <laughs> we don't usually do this. Yeah, never. We never do this. But this just seemed important to us. Uh-huh. We talked about it at lunch the we other day. We got really excited about it. We put it on the schedule. We made an announcement to the staff. They got all excited because we've never done this before. Never. But then, when it was time to write it down... Neither of us could remember what it was. I thought Christopher was typing it into his phone. But I was just tweeting. Just to be sure you hadn't forgotten him since the last tweet, an hour earlier. And God knows Eric didn't write it down either. Because I thought you were actually paying attention to what was going on in reality and the present and stuff. So it's best served warm and we've got nothing. Shark Week could be better. That's not it. Still, the Dinner Party Show is proud to sponsor the campaign for writing stuff down. Because maybe it's senility. Maybe you're just busy or getting older. And who needs another pill you're not going to remember to take anyway? Because honestly... You could remember stuff. We wouldn't be talking about this in the first place. So just write stuff down. That way, even if, God forbid, it is a profound medical condition, you'll still have written it down. This is just great. I mean, really, just fucking great. You know what this is? Great? Just fucking great. And that's Best Served Warm. Doesn't count. Okay, we're back. Just a minute. God damn it. Eric Shaw Quinn almost didn't make it back in time from his bathroom break. And I was totally going to do a bit about it live on the air. But and you weren't seated in your chair by the time we were live. So I I, that's my, why I said it doesn't count. I had my headset on. Yeah. Okay. I was ready to go, babe. Let's remind our party people about our spe- my special giveaway. Right. It's not a contest. It's a giveaway. It's a giveaway. If you pre-order my forthcoming novel, The Heavens Rise, and you email a scan or an e-receipt or a screen capture that proves your sale... To the following email address, theheavensrise 
at gmail.com, you will receive a signed page from the original manuscript, including author notes. And everyone who does this will get a copy of this. That's how it's legal. Because the you know the the commission to prosecute people who give away fake recyclables. You know people take that attitude, and then just at the worst moment, you know, we I attempted to boost our Facebook post today so that it would have you know go out to a wider audience and let people know we were doing a live show tonight. And I received a message from Facebook saying that we had our post was not qualified for boosting because it had it was more than twenty percent text. How's that? What does that even mean? It, it, Shea Butters had written a lovely, long text description of what was going to go on tonight's show, and it was too much text for them to boost the post. Yeah, and so stop worrying about cursive writing and start <laughs> start worrying about people who are ruling people out for having, you know, words on their page exactly. and stuff. Well, I'm being told that the Prince Carl of Sweden BuzzFeed link has been posted on our Facebook page. Oh, Prince Carl. We should just do a Sweden show. We, we should, should just do a show about show. all things that are great. We should just have him be not if he show. can't speak English. That I really would be don't weird. care. This is the sound of Eric looking at Prince Carl. Carl. Is his name really Prince Carl? Carl or is it Carlton? I don't know. Prince Carlton. Is that a type of cigarette? It's actually pronounced Jarl. Prince Jarl. Prince Jarl of okay. Sweden. We uh, have a guest next week. Miss Coco Peru will be our guest. We were insane fans of her movie, Girls Will Be Girls. Oh my God, if you haven't seen it, it's so brilliantly funny. Uh, I believe she spent the summer in Provincetown performing along with every other talented drag queen on the planet. Alec Mappa is on his way home from Provincetown today. He went and attended Family Week with Jordan Ampersand. With Jordan Ampersand, oh God. But Miss Coco Peru will be on the show next week, and we invite you to post questions for her on the Facebook page, as always. Excellent. And I hope we covered everybody's, you know, all of our party people's questions and queries. We had a lot of people who had wanted us to talk about Russia for a long time, and so we were sort of gearing up to it. Well, it's a big discussion, and heres I don't think this will be the end of it. I, I hope that we will see some movement. I hope that the outcry and the, 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 the efforts that we are making, you know, I would much rather see Russia make some changes, some improvements in this, than move the Olympics. But yeah. honestly, I need for the the visitors and for the athletes to feel safe to visit the country. I don't want to send Rachel if they're going to arrest her. Mm-mm. No, I would feel sorry for anyone who tried to arrest Rachel Maddow, really. Not like she's going to beat him up, but I think the fallout would be so fucking epic. I think epic. it would just be gigantic if they yeah. if they attack the... But all of NBC, like all of the employees of NBC are going there to film this and to present it for the network and... They're a pretty embracing public, you know, it's a company with a lot of gay people in it. Russia has thrived in moments in its history when it's thrown open its gates to the world. Peter the Great, who was one of the greatest rulers of Russia ever, was about making contact with the West. He was about building an armada. He was about building port cities. He built St. Petersburg for that reason. He opened Russia out of this sort of, I hate to say, backwoods nation with a really sort of severe and inhospitable climate and connected it to the outside world. And the legacy of that was long-lasting and wonderful. And then when it closed its doors again, it began to crumble. And, and so maybe there's a way to look at the Olympics arriving there as a moment of connection with the outside world. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. The restless life dancers. God damn it. <laughs> I swear to God. Who left that door open? Oh, it brought the cat again. Just when you think it's getting serious on the dinner party show. Honestly. Oh. 
but we just now don't go over. <sighs> Nick, shut the door. I'm taking this cat home with me. Come, you're coming home with me. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it's nothing like a discussion on Russia to be destroyed by the restless leg dancers. Okay. Um, yeah. Back to the usual tone around. Yeah. Back here. to the usual room tone. tone. We'll be back next week with Miss Coco Peru. We Can't hope you wait. join us here at the usual time. The podcast will probably go up tomorrow. Thanks afternoon. for being our guest. Absolutely. I'm Christopher Wright. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to the Dinner Party Show. Thanks.